This is one of these tweets where like I you just, just like sit, I just sit and pause and be like, who the who the hell is this Ryan Sean Adams man? My mind goes to like, all right, he's an AI, so he just like did Google searching and came up with this, so that that's just normal. Or he's a Taylor Swift fan and like had this one ready to go. Or he's a do- he's a dad of a of a teenage daughter. It could all be all three things at once. We just don't know. And I think you have to be comfortable, David. If we're going to continue this podcast every week, is living in that ambiguity. Oh, Do you know? God. Like you just okay. don't really know. Bankless Nation, happy second Friday of the month. David, tell them what time it is. Oh, it's the Friday Bankless Weekly Roll-Up, where we cover the entire weekly news in this goddamn bear market, which is an especially (laughs) ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere. Nonetheless, no matter what corner of the globe we're tuning in from, which is a little bit different for me this week, Ryan. It's one of Yeah, yeah, you're West Coast. You went I'm to West Coast. Coast. West yeah, Coast, David's Coast. back. Yeah, uh-huh. back in the uh, beautiful, beautiful city of San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Much well, to the demise you know, of my mother that I didn't decide to go back to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, you went a little south of yeah. uh, mm-hmm. of your mom, but you know yeah. she could always meet you in San Diego, right? It could be a rendezvous point. Uh, um, yeah, that that would be insulting to her. <laughs> okay, so the intro though, you mm-hmm. said bear market, but we sounded so like like upbeat and enthusiastic, and I felt some energy there. Like mm. I feel okay. Do you know how I feel coming to this episode, David? Is like yeah. uh, a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Oh yeah. Oh, I feel light. I, November was not a great month for crypto. No, but that I was just, a bad. That could have been the worst month ever. In fact, do you know how you feel like after you say you feel after you fast yeah. like for a couple of days? Yeah. You got kind of the energy. You got I don't know if you yeah. Detoxify I call it, or I call it my manic David. Yeah. Yeah, manic in David in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> once in a while, <laughs> not in a Kanye Kanye West way, but like once in a while. Uh, you know, you'll DM me and you'll be like, it's, yeah, I got some ideas. I'm like, okay, it's manic David. And I don't say that. I'm like, it's fasted David. Anyway, that's a little bit how I feel. I feel like we've got detoxed and like, I'm just feeling, even though it's a bear market, it's all clarity and thought, uh, like long-term time horizons. Yeah. Just like fundamental optimism. Yeah. Okay. All right. Excited about 2023. Are you feeling that vibe or is it just me? I want to get to 2023 so bad, not because time is a construct, but like, I don't know, June, January 1st, 2023, like, uh, can we get there, please? Because then yeah. everything just goes away and we just reset, right? All right. Yeah, yeah. It goes away. Yeah. We could forget SBF is in jail. Uh, crypto prices are up only. This is what I'm promised. We pay, we get some uh, sensible regulation for DeFi passed. Um, <laughs> right. Who else? Vitalik is elected president. Uh, mm-hmm. No, he can't. He's Canadian. I don't know, man. A lot of good things maybe in 2023. We'll see. All right, let's talk about the topics of the week, though. It's, this um, is the state in the bear market where we just make shit up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a real thing that happened. Apple versus Coinbase. Okay. Apple yeah. thinks it can tax crypto, David. Mm-hmm. Some, who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell them that they can't tax ETH gas fees? We're going to talk about that. What no else? one seems to be able to tell Apple no, which is kind of the crazy <laughs> thing. Uh, yeah. And so we're going to have to talk about that. Uh, also, we got some data, some some uh, fallout, some actual numbers to talk about when when it comes to uh, contagion out of Genesis and Gemini Earn. So we'll give you the numbers that we heard uh, that was reported. And then also coming in hot, you'll never guess, Ryan, who SBF hired as a lawyer. Uh, so huh. I kind of feel like this this whole SBF story is coming to a close. I might have said that before in previous roll-ups, but like... Everyone, last week, we were confused as to what the hell SBF was doing on his like public tour of talking to everyone. Now I feel like we kind of know what he's up to, and, that, and we've got some clarity there. So that's, what, that's what's coming up in the big news of the week. 
and he's got his lawyer. You don't you don't hire a lawyer when things are going well. So uh, <laughs> we'll see who that is in the show. You'll never guess the name. It's pretty crazy, actually. Hey, but before we get into it, gotta shout out our friends and sponsors, David. Let's talk about markets before we get into building. What is Bitcoin looking at this week? We got the happy music or sad? Bitcoin, yeah, it's got no music. It is flat. It is flat? super flat on the week. Up, Silence. down zero percent. Like literally zero percent. Yeah, it was. It was. It came pretty damn close to zero percent. Yeah. And so, what is that? What number are we looking at? About 17, uh, seventeen. Oh, 000? yeah, the number seventeen thousand. <laughs> yeah. seventeen thousand dollar Bitcoin. It's also like seventeen thousand even. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, how about ETH? Up or down? Uh, sad. Sad. So it sounds for ETH. Uh, down okay. two and a half percent. Started the week at twelve ninety. Ending the week where it currently is at twelve fifty. Although it is surging as of this morning, up to twelve fifty seven. All right. Well, I can calculate the ratio in my head. I bet it's down two and a half percent. Am I right? That's about right. That's okay. the correct math. <laughs> this is math that I can understand. Yeah. My <laughs> ratio is down about two and a half percent on the week. We are down to 0.074. No real signal right now. We're just uh, hanging out in December. Hanging this out. is interesting. A flat week is interesting in these types of markets. Uh, yeah. So do we feel like this is consistent with what we believe has been the case where the last domino has kind of fallen or it's, you know, it's wobbled and we kind of know the contagion? That's already happened, and we're getting into this flat period of time. What do you think? Um, sorry, I just got distracted by Trading View because I have it open on my phone. ETH just pumped to twelve eighty three, so we are uh, only down one point five percent on the week, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Again, none of this will matter by the time you <laughs> listen matters. to it. Why do we do this? <laughs> I don't know, but we're going to keep doing it every week. We'll tell you twenty four hour out of date numbers, and uh, you know you can enjoy them or not. <laughs> Uh, is, right. are, are, is this emblematic of so yeah you know bad news but it's uh it's going on like still like everyone hates crypto out regulation all that stuff but price, prices are flat i feel like that's a pretty acceptable sign of like strength bad okay. news but flat prices equals some signal of strength yeah yeah flat prices is better than down prices that's yeah. the uh, kind of analysis you guys tune in for uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every week all right we are uh under a trillion too what's the crypto market cap give us those numbers david can you hit refresh just so so we're at 884 billion if ryan hits refresh 889 billion look we just added 5 billion onto the market cap putting yeah. us at flat on the week because last week it was 890 billion flat on the week there we go flat flat yeah. flat it's a flat mm-hmm. week uh, which is okay in a bear market to have. It's better than the alternative. David, um, we've got to talk a little bit about the bottom signals because mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. what folks are listening to. And I think we've talked about it in the section of markets the last couple of roll-ups. And uh, we got some more bottom signaling stuff. You decide. Bottom signals are listen, abound. Are these bottom signals or not? You don't really know until they're f- like for sure a bottom, but some hypothesis. The ultimate bottom signal caller is jim kramer if he <laughs> tells you to sell you better buy you better <laughs> it's probably a bottom and uh jim kramer kramer of course this is the host of mad money who you know uh-huh. and love uh, the great stock predictor he says uh er, investors should exit crypto in quotes it's never too late to sell is what jim <laughs> says um i don't know i'm super bullish after i'm hearing this from jim kramer kramer what's your take on this so crypto Twitter and just fin FinTwit just makes so much fun of Jim Cramer because he is <laughs> the herd. He is the herd mentality. He is the middle of the curve. Uh, and like he told people to buy coin at 450 when it IPO'd. Like he has all of these terribly wrong takes. And actually, if you think about it, Ryan, his business model for mad money makes sense because it, he's trying to get attention. Av- attention eyeballs. Yeah, it's not about And so like he doesn't want, if you are contrarian, 
you don't want to be a contrarian as like uh, somebody who's trying to get eyeballs as like a TV show, right? You yeah. want to, to dish out what everyone wants to hear. If every if you're trying to have maximum reach, maximum broad you want to have consensus opinion. You want to have consensus opinion, <laughs> uh, and that if you just have consensus opinion in the markets, you're not going to do well. Being uh, smart in the markets is about having contrarian bets. So this is not just a meme. This is like it's aligned with his business model for Mad Money. So Jim Cramer urges investors to exit crypto. It's never too late to sell. If you want to be a contrarian, you would do the opposite. I actually think that's that's a good take on Jim Cramer. It's not that he's always wrong. It's just that he is emblematic of consensus opinion. And mm-hmm. this is consensus opinion. He says... Because his takes change every two weeks. It's never too late to sell an awful position. And that's what you have if you own these so-called digital assets, an awful Just position. Lumping every single digital asset together. They're all the same and it's never too late. I mean, this is how people get totally wrecked on the dips mm-hmm. here. Uh, anyway, maybe a bottom signal. Here's another one, David. What are we looking at here? Just 8% of Americans have a positive view of cryptocurrencies now, a CNBC survey finds. This is published on December 7th on Wednesday. Uh, I, and when I read this article, uh, Ryan, I was just so reminded of 2018, of just like positive view of crypto in 2017, very negative view of crypto in 2018. <laughs> yes. It's just consensus. It's just the herd mentality. Uh, so if you're telling me that only uh, only 8% of Americans have positive views of crypto, like that just sounds like a bottom signal. And of course, why uh, the survey is happening right after FTX. Like people are just thinking about crypto for the first time in months. And they're yeah. like, oh yeah, FTX is bad. Therefore, crypto is bad. Yeah, well, I have a more negative uh, view of crypto, I would say probably over the past you know, month. I mean, if you ask me this poll, I'm going to like, but that doesn't mean I'm not long-term bullish. Um, mm-hmm. And by the way, this number is 8% now. It was 19% in March. So we got our own halvening here, a little cut in half. This is pretty consistent, I think, with the yeah. the conversation. It's also consistent with like pricing and everything yeah. else. Is what you'd yeah. start to expect as we as we yeah. hit towards the bottom. Eight um, percent. I'm still okay. Eight percent. Have a positive view. That's the silver lining. <laughs> That's not so too bad. Still a chance. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know what, what crypto is, at least. Uh, what's this chart we're looking at? Yeah, this is the new record low of the GBTC discount. So buying one share of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is 47% discounted to how many Bitcoins is backing it. So in theory, if you could redeem those Bitcoins and you bought one Bitcoin's worth of the GBTC uh, uh, Trust now, you would get roughly 1.5 Bitcoins if you could redeem them, but you can't. If Mr. Gensler will convert that to an ETF, then you should be able to redeem it. Yes, so this is uh, some sort of regulatory, <laughs> I don't know what you call that, tomfoolery. If you have the longest term time horizons, could be a good buy. It could be. Not financial advice. Um, you know, we did an entire episode on GBDC. So if folks, you're wondering what GBDC is, uh, your thesis, David, is mm-hmm. that GBDC is what started this whole thing. It, the it, whole, is, <laughs> it is the lynch. It is the thing that really start, started the bull market. So you can't really be too angry. But then also the reason why it all just, came crashing down. Yeah, it's the first domino. Um, anyway, there's an episode. What's that episode titled? What did we end up calling that? Uh, it was the thumbnail is uh, grayscale and G- and Genesis contagion. But uh, it the, we renamed it was uh, to was 2021 just a gigantic Ponzi, which the answer is kind of yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to tease, not give them the answer. Okay, uh, but yes, it was a Ponzi. Um, okay, what's this? What what's this chart that we're looking at? 
This is the coin price, the Coinbase uh, coin stock. To- uh, to- token. Jesus, stock. Yes, <laughs> to- the, stock. Old, the, the traditional tokens. We <laughs> call tra- those stocks, David. Tokens. Yeah, uh, which uh, Coinbase is coming in at a whopping nine billion dollar total market cap valuation. Are nine you billion kidding me? Dollars for. Well, you mean whopping? You mean whopping? Like that's so low. Bad. Bad. Yeah, yes. that's so low. Nine billion? Extremely low. That's Don't we have like low. alternative layer ones that are way higher than nine mm-hmm. billion dollars right now? Right. So Coinbase. For 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 context, Uniswap coming in at where? What's the Uniswap price? I think like six and a, six dollars and a quarter. Uh, that is a valuation of about six billion dollars. So really? Coinbase is fifty percent more valued than Uniswap. And Uni Token doesn't even have any legal guarantees on uh investor the fees, protections investor or, protections yes, yes right mm-hmm. uh and and a coin yeah, does you, you, reminder that DeFi tokens are just tokens and we don't know what they are <laughs> <laughs> well there's hope but you know um yeah and by the way there's uh there's news of more discussion about uni token fees being flipped on uh, but also that is really close i mean mm-hmm. wouldn't it be crazy if uniswap token price flipped from a market cap perspective coin what yeah. does that mean? Does this yeah. mean coin is like silly low? Or like, what does I, this mean? Coin Cash- is silly low. Coin is silly low. I think the coin, the the equity of Coinbase is going to outperform 99% of tokens that you see on CoinGecko. Or Let coin me put it this cap. way. Uh, Jim Cramer would be telling you to sell your coin right yes. now. Let yes. me put it that way. It's not too late. <laughs> <laughs> not too late to sell your coin. Uh, speaking of all of these token prices, uh, one of the things our analyst team at Bankless puts together is what we call the Bankless Token Bible. And this is um, kind of an analyst in a box service if you're a Bankless Premium member. I'm actually showing some of it here, but this is usually yeah, like... Brian's leaking the alpha. I, I shouldn't be leaking this alpha. In fact, I'll flip off the, the page. But this is like a master spreadsheet of mm-hmm. our overweight, underweight kind of scores from our analyst team, and you can sort of see why. It's kind of a, a beta version of the product, of what it will be in mm-hmm. the next launch of our... Uh, Bankless 2.0 website and everything. One of many 2.0 launches, yeah. Yeah, but it's something uh, I wanted to just shout out because our team's doing a fantastic job. And I don't think we talk about this very often, Mm -hmm. but like you can click in through Balancer and look right now, this is all just like Google Doc pages. So you can see how it's like kind of raw. Uh, Underweight underweight for Aptos. Why are we underweight for Aptos? Um, Oh, I don't know. Let's go read about it and see what, what Ben the analyst put into the doc. That's right. Uh, ben, by the way, is a fantastic analyst on our team. Um, he's where we get all of our uh, our DeFi alpha. Uh, anyway, we we have that all available to Brankless pr- Premium members. So it's just, just a shout out um, to uh, to upgrade, so you can see what that looks like. And all of this will be redesigning our new website. Speaking of token prices, um, David, let's talk about this. Um, this was a tweet I saw from Jacob Franick, and this is a tweet about stablecoin. Mm-hmm. market cap all right so about a year ago february 27th we had 166 billion dollars worth of stable coins on chain issued and this mm-hmm. is a, all this kind of stable coins right so centralized decentralized december 4th 139 billion so down okay. not by a dramatic amount but down by about like what 25 billion something billion. like 27, 27 billion, yeah. billion. Uh, David did the math. I did the math uh, there. It's interesting that BUSD is the uh, the stable coin that's growing, the only stable mm-hmm. coin that's growing, not uh, contracting. But what was more interesting to me about this is, do you remember um, Jim Bianco's thesis? 
Uh-huh. Uh, so Jim Bianco, repeat bankless podcast friend, and uh, just fantastic views on on traditional markets, but also like knows an incredible amount about like crypto and DeFi, and like really digs in. He's an S tier individual. I I love Jim Bianco. Go follow Jim Bianco uh-huh. on Twitter. Jim, if you're listening, man, we appreciate you. Uh, yeah. He he had kind of a thesis. He asked actually asked our opinion on. And I was like, I don't know, Jim, that sounds right. You should write, you should write more about this. And his thesis was um, DeFi, the liquidity for DeFi is through stablecoins. So if you want to measure kind of the economic bandwidth of DeFi, mm-hmm. right? We'll put it another way. If you, if you want DeFi to grow, stablecoin market cap has to grow. Mm-hmm. And so we have about $140 billion of stablecoin economic bandwidth in DeFi, and if we want to 10x DeFi, we need to 10x the stablecoin value. And, and specifically 10x DeFi prices, to be, to be specific. DeFi uh, he, prices, He was saying DeFi, DeFi use, token prices, like all things like all liquidity, stablecoin liquidity is the underlying foundation, which makes sense, especially after we've done all of our Federal Reserve macro episodes. Yes. Everyone is like, yeah, the Fed, the markets are addicted to liquidity. Uh, when we're pulling liquidity out of the market, everything's selling. So liquidity. it makes sense along those lines. Totally like makes if sense. you give more stablecoin liquidity to DeFi, yields go up, token prices go up, things, everything else above it goes up. So first of all, Jim or some other talented uh, listener should do some analysis on this and run the data and do some kind of like, you know, models uh, with with historical data and see to what extent this is played out and what the correlation is. But also, I'm interested to look at this over time as sort of a leading indicator. If Mm -hmm. you want to see Mm -hmm. DeFi start to recover, we might need to see that stablecoin value on chain tick up and hit from 140 billion, 200 billion. 300 billion. Mm-hmm. This might be some a kind of a bullish sign to, to proceed a, a run up. Uh, anyway, 100%. good thesis there. Yeah. Jim, um, if you're wondering what an S tier individual is, S is above A. Uh, S stands for super. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you explained that for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, the right. trend continues. People are going bankless, David. What's this? Uh, yeah, Will Clemente says, tweets out over the last 30 days, 200,000 bitcoins. Reminder, out of 21 million, 200,000 Bitcoins worth $3.4 billion has been moved off exchanges. I don't think there's ever been a greater migration of Bitcoins or probably value in general off of centralized exchanges uh, into Since Mt. self-custody Gox? wallets. Uh, well, even even before Mt. Gox, right? Like you can't even see Mt. Yeah, Gox. all the red here. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is, yeah, I think you're right. Is this Well, that's term? because it's measured in dollars. Yeah. More in Bitcoin, but dollars. You're right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Biggest red over time uh, we've mm-hmm. ever seen. That's incredible. I mean, people are just like, I don't trust exchanges. See you later. Self custody, right. going bankless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I not how that. I wanted it to happen, but okay. Uh, so I saw these two <laughs> tweets out of Token Terminal that I wanted to include in here. So this is a developer activity overlaid by price for two ecosystems. Where first we're looking at Cosmos. Developer activity looks like the start of a bull run. It starts it starts to look like a very healthy line up. That's the, the green right. line. That's the green That's line. That's a steady kind of mm-hmm. upward trajectory for the last yep. over the last two years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and then I mean, we all know the price. The price is largely uncorrelated. Although the the Cosmos token actually is kind of like up and to the right. It has this like middle chunk, which is definitely a manic bear a bull market. Uh, yeah. But now we're like at the trend that it was before the bull market in like 2019 to 2020 not manic uh, just just fully fasted and full of energy <laughs> jesus <laughs> <laughs> 
Let me tell you, I was not fasting during the bull market. <laughs> uh, and then so we can flip over to, we can compare this to the Ethereum chart, which is the, yeah, the next tweet. Uh, Ethereum actually saw a, for some reason, a drop off in developer activity in the last like couple months or so. Um, but uh, uh, you could def- you can over get this overlay. Developer activity still over like the long term at all, absolute all time highs, and the ETH price is at a very much higher floor than it was in 2018. I just thought these were interesting. I think they're interesting. Now, my mm-hmm. big question in this, if you want to get to kind of the, the the second question, is okay. But does your Atom token map to developers in the Cosmos ecosystem? Because this is like. It's not the empire model that Ethereum is, where all value flows back to ETH, the token, right? Because of the mechanism design. Mm -hmm. For Cosmos, it's not necessarily true in any respect that all value leads back to the Atom token. It -hmm. could accrue in other app chains inside of Cosmos, right? Which is is the bull case of the Cosmos thesis, is that the value does accrue elsewhere. And that's yeah, exactly. one of the big advantages and, and selling points of the Cosmos ecosystem. Exactly. Which is why, of course, you can't like, um, you have to understand this space in order to, like, you can't take a Jim Cramer level. We're picking on Jim today. You can't take a Jim Cramer <laughs> level, like, analysis, look at these two charts and be like, well, it means this, because this number is going right. up here, it means this mm. number in this other ecosystem. You have to, you have to think about it uh, more fully. Uh, David, uh, what else we got coming up next, my friend? Coming up next, Coinbase versus Apple. Does Apple even understand crypto? Do they even care? Uh, A lot of people seem to be going up against Apple. How many more until it takes for something to happen there? I don't know, but we're going to talk about it. Uh, And then we got some data out of Genesis and Gemini Earn to share. uh, And SBF, of course. We got to tie the bow on the SBF conversation because, like I said in the intro, I finally feel like we know what SBF is up to, or at least I'll give my takes. Uh, All this stuff and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. Coinbase and Apple in a head-to-head. Apple wanting to tax DeFi transactions and crypto transactions and Coinbase not liking it. David, you have the tweet thread here. Let's Mm -hmm. look at Coinbase's position on things and uh, give some of our takes. What's Coinbase saying? Yeah, so they tweeted out uh, out of the Coinbase wallet. So this is from the Coinbase wallet, not ah. Coinbase. Yeah, so important, small differentiator. Uh, you might have noticed you can't send NFTs on the Coinbase iOS wallet anymore. This is because Apple blocked our last app release until we disabled the feature. The feature oh, yeah. of being able the feature of being able to send NFTs. Apple was like, "You guys have to block that before you re- update your app." Okay, so is, Coinbase wallet is like mm-hmm. a non-custodial. Uh, mm-hmm. self custodial wallet. It's a bankless yep. wallet. It's not uh-huh. their not their full custodial solution. We're talking about the wallet, yes. just like MetaMask, only on yep. your on your phone. Mobile. Yep. And this basic functionality mm-hmm. of sending an NFT from one place to mm-hmm. another, just like sending an ERC twenty or ETH from one place right. to another, sending stable yep. coins, making a payment. Yep. They had to disable that because Apple blocked them. Yes, because because uh, the Apple says you guys have to block that feature before we allow you guys to push that uh, app update. Uh, oh my God. And so the the uh, tweet the tweet thread continues and says Apple's claim is that the gas fee required to send NFTs need to be paid through their in app purchase system so they can collect thirty percent of the gas fee. <laughs> <laughs> What? And of course, and so I think the next tweet just really summarizes this. For anyone who understands how NFTs and blockchains work, this is clearly not possible. Apple's proprietary in-app purchase system does not support crypto, so we couldn't comply even if we tried. Okay, so Apple wants Coinbase Wallet to send them 30% of the gas fee that it takes to send an NFT. 
if Coinbase Wallet were to do this, they would have to pass that pro- that charge on to the customers. So they would have to take the gas fee and add on thirty percent, so that they could pay Apple. But then, then there's a new number, and then you would have to actually add on, take thirty percent of that new amount of that thirty percent, because like that's the new number that Apple would have to take. It's it's it doesn't make any sense. It, it's shocking to me that um, Apple thinks it can do this. You're talking about we're talking about a. a, a an ETH transaction fee mm-hmm. that is not nothing to do with Coinbase. This is the base protocol fee mm-hmm. inside of Ethereum, and gas prices are set by the market, block space demand versus block space supply, and whatever the the demand is going for. So the gas fee can be different every single transaction. It could be a mm-hmm. dollar, it could be five dollars, it could be twenty dollars, and you're saying that Apple wants thirty percent of that. Yeah, it's kind of night not Coinbase's to give. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. They would ha- it's, like they're trying saying, to they're trying to tax Ethereum thirty percent and say hey if you want to use Ethereum you got to pay us thirty percent of the fee. So weird. Of the All right, go on. Fee. What else do they say? One of the important tweets that I liked was that uh, the biggest impact of this policy change is on iPhone users that own NFTs. If you hold an NFT in a wallet on an iPhone, Apple just made it a lot harder to transfer that NFT to other wallets or gift it to friends or family. This one hit home for me, Ryan, because. There was one time I, I uh, we were we were at Bankless, gifted uh, cool cats by William Peaster. He minted them, sent them all to us, uh, and then then uh, I passed my cool cat along to a friend using uh, MetaMask Mobile. I had it on my MetaMask wallet. I sent it to a friend uh, who went down the crypto rabbit hole so hard, left her job, became a marketer <laughs> uh, for a crypto job because of I sent her a cool cat with a mobile wallet. So I have a personal wow. story about like how. I onboarded a person by sending them a cool cat because of a mobile transfer, right? A spontaneous moment. Definitely wouldn't have done it if I had waited to get home to a ledger. Uh, we just, th- so like, this is just Apple just being uh, like a baron uh, and just like a landowner. This is like, like racketeering. It's like, it's like a feudal Lord. Like, and yeah. it, like, uh, so, and this tweet above uh, from Coinbase says, this is akin to Apple trying to take a cut of fees for every email that gets sent over open internet protocols yeah imagine that if there was a right. tax that ios uh charged mm-hmm. for internet protocols and for mm-hmm. email yeah um so apple i don't know the the debate here is does apple know what they're doing or do they not know what they're doing do they know the significance of this choice or are they just being like errant i don't know I think it's interesting that um, we haven't heard anything yet from MetaMask about them blocking MetaMask, mm-hmm. uh, which, of course, you have the same functionality in MetaMask, right. whether mobile wallets like Phantom. So um, maybe it's an oversight. At the same time, like uh, I haven't heard of this being remedied, and it's like seven days later from when Coinbase is, right. is tweeting this. And just the, um, wow, uh, how do they not know this? Just the, like the idea that they could Pretty tax. Egregious. Yeah, it's pretty egregious, and I think this is this is not crypto is not the only industry that's facing this. I mean, Tim Sweeney from from Epic Games mm-hmm. has talked about mm-hmm. Apple's monopoly power, um, and basically making it such that um, in-app purchases or like in-game purchases all have to throw through this land baron and this feudal right. lord. Uh, right. They get a cut of any, everything, and they're adding no value in the process. This is just rent-seeking behavior, isn't it? Yeah. And you can only do rent-seeking behavior. If you have a monopoly, and right. in this case, um, I mean, I have an iPhone, right? You, I have. Do you have seventeen an... Apple products? <laughs> okay, so they kind of like they have they, that power over me. consumers, yeah. uh-huh. and uh, I don't, I don't know how you get this to stop. Obviously, the free market approaches uh, competitors 
and you disrupt Aptal and you create kind of a, a different mobile experience that's more open. Um, there's also the regulatory approach mm-hmm. where some nation state says, no, we have a bigger stick and we'll whack you. And Our monopoly you know, not is bigger than this. yours. We have, guns. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, we have a military. So, uh, um, that's the other way things get done. Um, but I don't know where this ends. It's just uh, pretty egregious, isn't it? Yeah. That's the conversation that I've seen outside of crypto Twitter, outside of crypto, uh, media is that like Apple wants to take 30% of everything. Uh, I think I saw that in like a tech crunch article, that, that headline, uh, and at some point it just gets down to like antitrust at some point we're just going to take that. There's an, enough of a cohort of people that are offended by Apple trying to rake them of 30% that people are just going to take Don't they the make enough money on their, like the hardware that they sell their great products? Like that's cool. I don't, th- I don't think you can that. ask a company to try and make less money. I don't think make less like money. That. Yeah. Uh-huh. Apple, you should make less money. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what Tim Cook says. Tim Cook on Bankless. Uh, let's go. All right. What's this? Genesis. Uh, Genesis. Okay. Uh, how much did Gemini customers have in Gemini Earn that went to Genesis? The answer to that is $900 million, which wow. is kind of just a doozy. shy of a billion that's, dollars. That's a little so bit of a doozy. In Gemini, this is just in Gemini Earn. So this is Gemini not all Earn. Genesis mm-hmm. obligations. We're, we're mm-hmm. now focused because there is money mm-hmm. stuck for retail in Gemini Earn, mm-hmm. and um, it's to the tune of $900 million that Genesis mm-hmm. owes Gemini. Yep. That's what does number. this mean, David? Are we going to get uh, that back? I don't know. I don't know. Um, like people were talking about like the Winklevi just making Gen- uh, Gemini uh, earn customers whole. And I was like, oh, in theory, it's possible. They're like, billionaires. They they're they're billionaires. Big they just, check. That's a big check. That's a really big check. I don't think they'd do that. Well, um, what is the correspondence of the feedback from uh, from Genesis and Gemini? Have they talked about this? This is uh, a headline that says, yeah. Genesis says plans to resolve lending units woes could take weeks, in quotes. So, I mean, Genesis take, is still I'm trying. I'm going to take the over on that one. Over, yeah. Over weeks, It, it yeah. could be like, uh, God bless yeah. you, Joe Lubin weeks, where it's yeah, like exactly. yeah, weeks, not yeah. months kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. So that's this is there still wasn't, there wasn't too heads. much data beyond what was those two articles. Nine hundred million may take weeks to resolve. It's going to take months. We'll keep you guys updated on this, uh, David. You said you had some final insights mm-hmm. into SBF. Yep. Like you feel like that is starting to uh, to wind down. Yep. Um, and you said Nick Carter was right. W- what is he right about? Is this a whole tweet thread, or should I go to a specific thing here? So the top tweet uh, is a tweet that we shared last week on the weekly roll-up when we mm-hmm. collectively, as SBF was going through his public media tour, talking to everyone, making them look like fools, by the way, uh, uh, people were giving their takes. Uh, this as to why, tweet, because it's as very as bizarre behavior. It seemed yes. non-rational. Exactly. So one of the takes that we shared was, Sam isn't behaving like a renegade who is ignoring the advice of his lawyers. He's behaving like a world-class like he has a world-class crisis management firm and legal team constructing a very specific and deliberate public narrative. That's one it's of the takes that we shared from Nick Carter. 40 chess. Sam 40, is doing this all intentionally. Exactly. He knows exactly yep. what he's doing. Yep. Yep. Uh, God, now I, whenever I say yep, I'm like, that's what Sam says. When, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, Long pause. <laughs> anyways, uh, SBF, the, uh, a tweet went out uh, this week. SBF of FTX has hired Mike Cohen, Mark Cohen as his attorney. Cohen recently defended uh, Gaylene Maxwell in her sex trafficking trial and defended El Chapo prior to that. And Nick Carter says, <laughs> uh, takes a victory lap, and he says, like, as I said, yes, he's got a rock star legal defense. 
Wow. All right. Him. So when I first saw this, first of all, I thought it was Michael Cohen. It's not Michael Cohen. All yeah. right. This is a different Cohen. This is a guy named Mark Cohen. Yeah. And he's the lawyer who defended Maxwell. Yeah. For, in sex trafficking case. Right. And El the, Chapo. The whole Epstein thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Epstein thing. And El Chapo, the drug lord. Yeah. I don't so know this if is, it gets higher than that. No, this is who you hire when you are like a hardened criminal, but like at least El Chapo. Uh-huh. I don't know about Maxwell. And you're super wealthy. God, right. can you imagine being like if being a client of a lawyer and your other fellow clients are Galen Maxwell and El Chapo? <laughs> like you're not in a good spot. No. Uh yeah. Well, you know, how many lawyers would apply for this type of a job? I don't yeah. you know, I don't know. Um The the other joke about this when this was going out was that like Sam Bankman Fried said that he only has a hundred thousand dollars left in his bank account. So who's paying for this? Wait, he said that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he said I, that yeah, a I couple times. That. People, people ask him like, "All right, so like, how much money do you have left, Sam?" And he's like, "I've got one credit card that works, and I think I've got like a hundred thousand dollars in my bank account." Like, no way. So, so who's paying this guy? My God, so he has Mom, like Dad? no crypto. He has no crypto assets. Allegedly, I don't believe a single damn word out of that man's mouth. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, go on. What else do you think about this story? What's happening here? Yeah, so there was an interaction between SBF and Maxine Waters, which drew a lot of attention, uh, which is uh, the next tweet, Ryan, if you want to hop over to, to that one. And refresh us. Who is uh, Maxine Waters? She is on the U.S. House Committee of Financial yeah. Services, right? Um, yes. So she's in the House. Uh, not Previously with- seen before FTX collapse, blowing a kiss to SBF in as he walked out of his hearing that he had way long ago. Like in, uh, in real life kiss. Yes. Out of a, a yes. hearing in Congress. Yes. Yes, blew him a kiss because uh, he donated billions of dollars to her and and the Democrats. But that's uh, on like TV. That's on like that's on TV or something. And you're yes. blowing a kiss. Yes, to SBF. Seems like yeah, strange as, as he walked out. Yes, strange. Anyways, uh, okay. Maxine Waters and uh, co-tweeted with uh, the uh, Fennet, uh, Finance Senate Committee Democrat Twitter account. Uh, she goes, SBF, we appreciate that you've been candid in your discussions about what happened at FTX. Your willingness, willingness to talk to the public will help the company's customers, investors, and others. To that end, we would welcome your participation in our hearing on the 13th. What is this tone? This Dude. is really soft. What? This is on December 2nd, right? Uh-huh. So we appreciate that you've been candid in your discussions about what happened at FTX. He has not been candid. No, he's about what happened narrative, Maxine. Yeah, he has been the farthest thing from, what's the opposite of candid? He has been opaque. He has been yes. lying Yes, about what's what's happened at uh, FTX. So the, this is the, the, the soft glove treatment? I don't know what yeah. this is. So she My, later tweeted out a harder sounding tweet. Because uh, I didn't play over well? Yes, I, that because that did not play over well. Yes, okay. certainly. Uh, so, so, so here's her replacement tweet uh, that came came out uh, the next day or maybe 48 hours Three, later. Yeah, a few days later. Yeah, based on your role as as CEO and your media interviews over the past few weeks, it's it's clear to us that the information you have thus far is sufficient for testimony. As you know, the collapse of FTX has harmed over 1 million people. Your testimony would not only be meaningful to members of Congress, but also critical to the American people. It's imperative that you attend our hearing on the 13th, and we are willing to schedule uh, schedule continued hearings if there is more information to be shared. Why is this a request? Why are we asking SBF nicely? Why hasn't the goddamn Navy gone over to the Bahamas (laughs) and taken SBF by the collar and dragged him to a courthouse? 
How well, come we well, haven't well, done this yet? Why are we sending out like the wedding invitation? Shouldn't we be sending out subpoenas? Isn't that, yes. isn't that within Maxine Waters' Why powers? haven't we subpoenaed him? <laughs> okay. So uh, Kevin Owaki put that into a meme. Uh, if you want to scroll down, it's like right there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let me scroll down. There it is. Uh, and so this is the classic bell curve meme, right? So you have Maxine Waters in the middle who's like being sad and requesting. It's imperative that you attend our hearing on the 13th. And then the, the, the left side and the right side of the curve are like, just subpoena him. Make him show up. Yeah, you could do that. Use you know the guns that we have. <laughs> FDX bankruptcy managers hire a forensic forensic investigators, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal. So we're getting to that stage in the process. We're Finally. trying to figure out where all the money went. Right. Forensic yes. Uh, the f- forensic investigators are Alex Partners, uh, have been hired this consultancy firm to trace billions of dollars that have gone missing. And their previous job, a previous job that they had, was helping recover the stolen funds in the Bernie Madoff case. Again, not the Sam Bankman-Fried's cohort is... Very strong. Look at this picture of Sam. I love that they use this. It's very strange. Um, oh, this was crazy. Okay, so apparently, do you know how uh, FTX did all of these deals with like right. Tom Brady and other yep. celebrities, yep. influencers? Every celebrity uh, under the sun, yeah. They mm-hmm. tried to give Taylor Swift a $100 million sponsorship deal. What does it mean and to she sponsor said, Taylor Swift? She said no. I think it was like sponsoring like her st- or stadium, uh, stadium tour for the next album kind of thing i don't know what else it would mean spokesperson i'm sure a hundred million dollars david dude but she said no a part of like the psychological like unpacking of sbf has got to be something along the lines of like kleptomania he can't not give away customer funds he was spraying and praying this stuff from the hip like uh he would like he came in and bought that bank at like three times its values like i don't care all of these vanity things i I want to spend customers funds it is a fun activity for me and it's like yeah you know what's fun taking taylor swift's fans money in as customer deposits on ftx and then paying taylor swift wait 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 you think a bunch of taylor swift fans are also crypto people i mean like not zero (laughs) (laughs) okay so like this is just a gigantic game of like how fucking corrupt sorry can he be I was just yeah. like, I'll, I'll take the fans' money, and then I'll sponsor Taylor Swift, and it'll be the biggest grift <laughs> so of all time. Yeah, it, it, well, it really may have been. I mean, this is top three grifts, top five grifts of all time, I think. And I remember back when we had uh, Brian Armstrong on the podcast about a year ago, and we are kind of like, so, uh, Brian, um, Sam's doing all of these things. Like, he's got a sports arena. He's got Tom mm-hmm. Brady. He's got all these celebrity endorsements. Mm-hmm. And like, what are you doing on the marketing side? And, and uh, Brian was like, uh, I don't really like... We're not a marketing focused company. We just right. build. And my yeah. God, retrospectively, that is so Thank refreshing. <laughs> like, good job for focusing <laughs> for on not, what you should be doing. Not spending customers' <laughs> funds. Nice job. Absolutely ludicrous. Oh, did you see my tweet, though, about this? This is one of these tweets where, like, I just, just like, sit, I just sit and pause and be like, who the, who the hell is this <laughs> Ryan Sean Adams man? So Ryan Sean Addison tweets because uh, was tweeting out the headline uh, that Taylor Swift declined uh, the hundred million dollars uh, immediately. Uh, Ryan Sean Adams tweets: She knew Sam was trouble when he walked in. <laughs> okay, this so so my mind is like tweet. It's a very underappreciated tweet. Uh, yeah. My mind goes to like, all right, he's an AI, so he just like did Google searching and came up with this, so that would that's just normal or. He's a Taylor Swift fan and like had this one ready to go. 
or he's a do- he's a dad of a of a teenage daughter. You know, what? which I think all three of those things are true. <laughs> this it could all be all three things at once. We just don't know. And I think you have to be comfortable, David. If we're going to continue this podcast every week, is living in that ambiguity. Oh, Do you know, God. like you just all don't right. really know. All right. Well, somebody who accepted SBF's offer, uh, Kevin O'Leary, paid fifteen million dollars to be an FTX spokesperson. He was paid, right? Was so paid. He got fifteen million. Yes, he was paid yes. fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million dollars of customer deposits went into uh, Kevin O'Leary's <laughs> pockets uh, to be a, a paid FTX spokesperson. Uh, what is this? What is a paid spokesperson? What is that role? Um, like it's, it's like an evangelist role. Yeah, but. If you're publicly known as being paid, isn't that then you're just a paid shill for ETH? Except you're not paid. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm paid in the sense I own ETH, and (laughs) but that's a choice that I made. No, I don't know what this money to do that. Can I just say, like high level, like I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, but I'm Kevin disappointed. Here. I'm mainly disappointed that Kevin is doubling down multiple times on yeah. how FTX is an SBF and he believes SBF and all that stuff. Did you actually watch this clip? Maybe you should. Look, yes, I did. Let's play yeah. this clip. Let's play this clip. You, you money that you got. I don't. I don't, even, I don't think you should be singing the blues right now at all. Oh yes, I'm singing the blues. Why? Because your 15 million didn't pay out. That you. That's a lot of money. Hey, listen, a paid spokesperson. It's a lot of money. You didn't it have to do much. That's per, that's found that's money. A different decision. That's a different discussion. Okay. I, I, you know, you can make that decision on your own. But I- yeah. So here, this is Kevin uh, having really no answer to mm-hmm. the interview. Who's asking? Like, mm-hmm. you got fifteen million dollars. Like, Dude, why are you still give supporting it back. FTX? Give it back. Give it back. Like, distance yourself. I made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. The doubling down is as uh, kind of strange at this point. <laughs> like, dude, your and, contract's over, man. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do this, and it's not like the ship has already sunk, and you're just yeah. like, I don't know, you're still clinging on to it. Um, and apparently, out of all of this, David, someone is going to begin investigating the SEC and Thank how you. they managed to miss FTX. What is this Thank tweet you. that we're reading? Uh, this is from Alexander Grieve. Uh, new this morning, uh, Representative Richie Torres, the Democrat out of New York, calls on the Government Accountability Office to investigate the SEC's failure to protect the investing public from the egregious mismanagement and malfeasance of FTX. I think basically saying, hey, stop going after the long tail of uh, security frauds and, and unregistered securities. Don't go after the long tail. Go after the big one. Like, yeah. do the you big one. You gave us Kim... We should have gotten Sam. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. 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 I, so I, I'm, I'm in full support of investigating the SEC. What else we got coming up, David? It's a hot <laughs> episode still. A few yes. big topics to cover. What's coming up? Yeah, getting into more crypto stuff. Uh, the withdrawals. Hard fork is coming? Huh? Question mark. Big question mark. Um, a brand <laughs> new spiffy Ledger hardware wallet, which is more screen than it is not screen. Uh, and Ryan and David talk chat GBT. Uh, if you are, we're not on Twitter or in hearing about chat GPT, it has caught the world by storm, especially crypto Twitter. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about AI chat, uh, and we're going to have one AI talk to another while I observe. <laughs> Uh, all of that and more after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. If you have your Ether staked, you might be able to get that Ether back as soon as perhaps March. This is always just speculation and rumor, but lately... The words out of the core dev's mouth have had withdrawal, hard fork, and march in the same sentence. 
this is how March this 2023, news, right, David? 2023, right? Yes, okay. correct. <laughs> yeah, and this is how this news works, right? And so, like, there is no official date. There's no official time until uh, the core devs come to consensus about the time. But right now, there have been talks where the words withdrawal and hard fork and March have been in the same sentence. Uh, and so... Uh, now, CoinDesk is now reporting this. Ethereum developers tar- target March 2023 for release of staked Ether. Whether or not EIP 4844 is also included in this hard fork is TBD. Uh, that is more of a reach. Uh, withdrawals are currently being pro- uh, prioritized more than EIP 4844. Uh, EIP 4844 is proto-dank charting. Um, Which brings more scalability. Yes, right? it's yes. Basically, there are a lot of other features in these next coming for hard forks, but the two big ones that everyone's talking about are being able to withdraw the staked ETH and this thing called proto-dank charting, which is EIP 4844, which we've done episodes about, which uh, makes rollups super cheap and super scalable. So you've got withdrawals and kind of more on the scalability side. And it's the rumors are, it's looking like EIP 4844, the proto-dank sharding one, will probably not make the first yes, hard fork. It'll be a it'll be a, yeah, that's probably, probably where I put my money. Maybe this says we'll follow a subsequent hard fork in the fall. And the yeah. fall is like, in quotes, who knows? We can't predict two hard forks nope. in advance. But that's good news. We get the, mm-hmm. the hard fork. Uh, mm-hmm. with but staking withdrawals, are you gonna withdraw anything or are you gonna deposit? I uh, so that's gonna be, I de- definitely I think there will be a net outflow because of the with the of the locked ether, but yes. also that will also be counteracted by the fact that there is a two way road finally where like there's no lockup periods will also yeah. incur some sort of demand to stake ether as well because the risk. Is I gone. think I I think some people will be like okay now I can withdraw so now I'm yeah. willing to deposit because right. now I have the exactly. ability to withdraw and yeah. I don't so have to th- lock just it think about all. like the product of ETH staking is now complete therefore more it will be used more. Yep. But like I still think say. in the short term there will be a net outflow because I mean with staking with uh, deposits have been locked for forever. Stake it till you make it, David. That's my plan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, long tail contagions. Like, there's some other dominoes maybe falling mm-hmm. from the FTX stuff. A few mm-hmm. maybe baby dominoes. Yeah. We might call them hitting DeFi. What's this one from Maple? Yeah. So Maple Finance is an on-chain under-collateralized institutional lending. Uh, DAO product. And so it is actually kind of an intersection between the very rock solid and hardened DeFi apps that we all know and love and the more risky black box uh, centralized borrowers and lenders. It's kind of in the middle there. It's on chain, kind of like DeFi stuff. So it's fully transparent, um, but it is under collateralized, which means that there needs to be underwriting and vetting and institutional only uh, borrowers and lenders. So that's what Maple is. Um, And so orthogonal trading uh, was both an underwriter and a borrower out of Maple Finance. uh, And orthogonal trading, apparently, uh, was way less solvent than they had made it out to be. Uh, They were due to pay back a $10 million USDC loan from one of the Maple Finance pools. There's not one central pool with Maple Finance. There's many smaller ones. Uh, They were going to they were due to pay back $10 million on December 4th. They did not make that payment. Uh, therefore, they have all, have all of their credit closed, uh, but then they realize that Orthogonal actually doesn't have any money, apparently, uh, and had a net set of $31 million of liabilities out of Maple Finance. Uh, that is uh, $31 million of USDC and then an additional $5 million of wrapped Ether. Uh, and so that left a decent hole in Maple Finance uh, in, in this one specific pool. So the way that they contain the one of the ways that this is different, the story is different, is that there's actually very little contagion 
uh, inside of Maple because they have very distinct pools, isolated pools, isolated pools for pools. this exact purpose. So there was no very little to no contagion there. So, but if you had underwritten the, one of these pools, uh, this pool M11, uh, which is how they denote these things, got an eighty percent haircut. It lost eighty percent of the value. The total value of all lent loans into Maple was about 30%. So Maple was, lost 30% of uh, its total asset under management because of this one insolvency. Wow. Um, so like these are smaller numbers than some of the numbers that we've heard about. But, but is Maple going to be fine? Are they going to recover from this? Is this part of, can the ship um, like stay I don't afloat? Know. If... I don't know the answer to that. Um, um, I think we need this to have uh, play out a little bit more. But that's actually not where the story ends because Nexus Mutual also had some money inside of Maple Finance. So Nexus Mutual, which is a insurance a smart contract and, and uh, insurance platform on Ethereum, lost $3 million due to this exposure. Uh, so they were in one of those same pools. They were in the Ether pool. Uh, so they got hit. Why were uh, they in it? Was this just part of Treasury? Yes, Treasury, treasury Management. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah. this wasn't even part of the Nexus uh, protocol. It wasn't like a hack nope. that went bad and that they nope. had to kind of um, provide insurance for. It was Correct. like... We have some treasury funds, and we're going to mm-hmm. put it here in order to get higher yield. And the cost to mm-hmm. them was uh, $5 million, $3 million for that. $3 million. 1.6% of all of Nexus Mutual's assets. Wow. Treasury management. Very important yeah. to, to um, get these risks into, uh, into the market, huh? We need, I would um, say just like this, the, the hybrid position of between DeFi and CeFi kind of does map out to how much damage there was. Not complete dead, but pretty badly harmed like kind of felt chasing yield chasing yield can be a pretty bad game to play yield yield has just got a bad name these days like because because if you even get like 10 percent yield Mm -hmm. right i mean like um are the chances greater than 10 percent um that the protocol you're in could like die or like about once every 10 years the protocol Mm -hmm. in your if it's greater than that then like mm-hmm. you're actually not making the risk adjusted return dude vitalik gave us that take on one of our podcast episodes with him like over a year ago know. vitalik was yeah <laughs> he was saying that the DeFi yield risks were underappreciated back in like 2020 <laughs> what's but he saying now though we need to know but it this. didn't matter when prices go up it only matters when like, the risks only show yes. up when prices go down totally totally what's gitcoin doing david this is kind of exciting Gitcoin and UNICEF. Okay, so Gitcoin has been one of the big pillars of the Ethereum ecosystem for a very long time. Uh, and it's always been pretty insular. It's Ethereum funding other parts of Ethereum. Um, this is a story of quadratic funding and Gitcoin breaking out to the outside through UNICEF. So Gitcoin is launching its first ever quadratic funding round on its new grants protocol in collaboration with UNICEF's Office of Innovation between mm-hmm. December 9th and December 16th. So the same Gitcoin system that you know, but now for UNICEF. So That's really cool. Select group of 10 impact-focused innovative projects using blockchain or AI technologies for social good from around the world, including Nepal, Kenya, Argentina, Brazil, and the Philippines. Uh, This round will be the first of five test rounds to run on Gitcoin's new grants protocol as a a part of Gitcoin's alpha test season. This launch signals the beginning of Gitcoin's transition to a decentralized protocol that will allow any community to coordinate its own grants funding round. Very cool. Very cool. We like this. I we love like that. Yeah, if we, if we could start showing how crypto can start to fund mm-hmm. public goods 
as nation that's not, states not might. our own public goods but other yeah. people's public goods. as nonprofits yeah. might as the yeah. real world might mm-hmm. it will, will will increase the legitimacy and mm-hmm. uh coordinating power of crypto um that, i know that's what uh, kevin owaki is mm-hmm. is if been you, trying to do is the whole time if you donate in this grants round there are po apps for you to collect so for the po app uh, maxis out there have at it uh aztec and uh ethereum privacy they're making mm-hmm. some strides here david what's the stat we're looking at there is now 50,000 shielded ETH inside of Aztec Connect. So Aztec Connect, is, it's just a fundamentally better product than uh, Tornado Cash. The, the cryptography is just more solid. Uh, and they've got 50,000 ETH inside of Aztec Connect. So $60 million is, of Ether is now being sent and earning yield privately. Uh, and that's actually not the only stat, but the, that's kind of the first big one. Uh, they got some other stuff uh, down there as well. I think it was something like uh, 500,000 tran- uh, transactions on the network. Um, and then uh, five thousand blocks on the Aztec layer two. Um, this is um, this is a, a layer two that's completely private, and that's why you say it's better mm-hmm. because it's better than Tornado Cash is because it's um, lower gas fees. It's not on mainnet, and it has a layer two level uh, s- settlement guarantees, mm-hmm. and it's also uh, very scalable. Uh, one other benefit too is, of course, you don't have to go to jail if you're a U.S. citizen and mm-hmm. you use this thing. That's kind of nice, isn't it? I would say actually you're you're underselling it a little bit because the the thing about <laughs> wait I do cash, have to go to jail? <laughs> no, you don't have to go to jail. Why okay. why is Aztec better than than Tornado Cash? Tornado Cash is privacy via the crowd, so it pools all of your money together, uh, yes. and and then you just ming- commingle it up. Actually, it's technically not true, but it, it appears to be like that. You blend in like privacy by in. numbers kind of thing. Yes, and time. And so you need mm. to hang out in Tornado Cash for a long amount of time to achieve privacy. The more the more money that you have to become private, the longer you need to hang out. Aztec is atomic privacy, one transaction of privacy. You can go into the pool and out of the pool instantaneously, and you have the full strength and power of Aztec privacy. So Tornado needs to have big crowds in order mm-hmm. to protect your privacy. And Correct. for some assets and some pools, those crowds yes. are too small to really provide you an identity yeah. shield. Especially when they uh, make it illegal for you to be in the pool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, as we know. Okay. That's cool. I think this uh, is Disclaimer, very Ryan and I are investors in Aztec. Uh, also, disclaimer, we love privacy. On chain privacy. Big Let's disclaimer, we love privacy. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't love privacy so much that you can't see all of our disclosures in our disclosures tab. You can see literally everything that Ryan and I have invested in because while we do love privacy, we also love ethics. There you go. How'd you like that one, Ryan? <laughs> I, I love that. Good, good shill of the disclaimers page. Uh, always in the show notes, guys. You can catch that. Um, speaking of good shills, Toys R Us is doing digital collectibles. Uh, all the toy, Toys R Us are closed now. Like, there's I no thought Toys R Us was bankrupt. <laughs> I don't know anymore. I don't know. Uh, but they are still okay. a brand. It's still in my childhood, like, you know, okay. I guess By dream. Uh, so now they're doing... Now they're doing digital collectibles, David. Is there anything more to this story? Or uh, yeah, my kiddos a- love this. Is a, a tweet from Anatoly. Yeah, it's a, a, Anatoly because this is on Magic Eden, so this is on Solana. So cool. uh, toy, uh, toys R Us launching NFT collectible digital collectibles. Oh, they didn't even say NFTs. Oh, that's great. Nice job. Digital collectibles. Toys R Us launching on Magic Eden on Solana, de- December 9th. That's today. That's Friday. Okay, moving on. <laughs> okay, <laughs> move fast. Uh, Reddit collectible, their avatar minting hits an all-time high. And that was last time I brought this up. Uh, it was a, an all-time high as well. So they just keep hitting the all-time highs during this bear market. 
Um, yeah. well, this then. is great. And it's, it's a nice story out of Reddit, which has always had a hard time monetizing. Um, yes. Reddit ads has been t- a terrible, terribly performing. You know, like yes. Facebook ads really actually aren't that great performers. Twitter ads even worse. Uh, Instagram ads kind of acceptable. Reddit ads, the bottom of the barrel. So the fact yes. that they found this monetization path of selling digital collectibles is great. <laughs> it's a great story. Yeah, it's, it's a collectible avatar, importantly. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. not an NFT. Do not be confused. Yes, um, yes. This is a joke. It's also an NFT. It's a, it's on Polygon, I believe. That's yes, where this correct. is on. Yes. The uh, they're also the doing NFTs some stuff with on, yeah. mm-hmm. Arbitrum. Uh, Cock Punch. <laughs> Just wanted <laughs> to say it. The Legend of Cock Punch has released. <laughs> and this is uh, an episode we did with Tim Ferriss. If mm-hmm. you want to learn more about that, tell us some of the launch stats because that launched earlier this week. Uh, how did it do? Yeah, importantly, the podcast is launched. Uh, the NFTs are also launched as well. So you could have bought an NFT for 0.3 ETH. That was the mint price. Mm-hmm. Uh, the floor price is now currently at 0.88. I did I did some on-chain sleuthing just to see how many uh, scalpers there were. There, there, were, yes. there were some scalpers. Yeah. Um, people bought it, minted it, and then sold it were for you one, one of ETH them? like a moment. I was not one of them. Um, did you buy a cock punch yet? I did not buy a cock punch. Um, yeah. uh, so creator fun. fee of 6.9%. So nice. Uh, and that 6.9% is actually how Tim Ferriss makes money. All revenue made from the mint, uh, went to, uh, his foundation for psychedelic de- anxiety and depression research. Yes. And when we say something like t- the way Tim Ferriss makes money, it's kind of interesting there because like, I think, um, people always assume, oh, that means it's a cash grab, but like, I mean, making money to pour back into the product, it sort of mm-hmm. depends what the creator actually does with it. And the right. options on the table aren't just you take all of the money and, and you scam the community, yeah. <laughs> right? Like other you options can reinvest can be, in the in the cock punch. Yes, you reinvest in cock punch. You build out Do a normal team. business things. Yeah, so it's revenue to either Tim or the business to mm-hmm. continue working on this possibly. Yeah. Uh, important distinction. All right, um, bankless collectibles as well. We got it. we're shipping another collectible. We shipped a Josh Rosenthal mm-hmm. last week. David, this week, drum roll. You ready for the collectible? Bankless I'm NFT a, collectible. Which what is it? what's it going to be? Uh, what's it going to be? It's going to be. Uh, it's not here. Lee Jin. Lee is Jin. The episode that that um that's our episode on the creator economy. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorite episodes that Dude. we did in the last year. Um, so the con- the topic was great. Mm. learned very like it is a core pillar of the bankless podcasting program uh the i will pat us on the back ryan and say as podcasters the flow and organization of that podcast and also the the magicalness of legion as an orator articulator yes i think in the podcast industry one of the greatest podcasts of all i dare i dare you to find us a better podcast than that 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 podcast was so good Technically, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Well, and she has a great thesis, right? A mm-hmm. uh, uh, th- uh, hundred true fans is her thesis mm-hmm. that creators mm-hmm. can become, um, basically, they can they can uh, build up a community and mm-hmm. uh, foster a tighter relationship with with their fan base. And it's kind of, um, I guess, fortuitous that this would be one our third NF podcast NFT in the collection mm-hmm. here in Genesis because it's kind of her thesis playing out is the in thesis, uh, podcast yeah. NFTs. Yeah. Anyway, as usual, that uh, minting goes, I think, on Friday, Friday mm-hmm. at 12. Friday at it noon, starts. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could join Dave and I for Twitter spaces where we talk about it. Hey, uh, this was a tool that I saw. I don't know if it works. I know nothing about this tool, but I want to talk about the concept because it's about <laughs> taxes, David. Can I, can I tell you about taxes a little bit? I feel like I'm hearing it either way. <laughs> 
<laughs> Typical dad talk. Of course, you're hearing it either way. Uh, this is called NFTLossHarvestStore.com. I don't know if it's great. I don't know if it works. But this is an interesting period of time because we're in December here. If you're in the U.S., you probably have some crypto losses raked up. David, do you have any losses on things that you bought high and that are now lower, that are underwater? No, I've, I've only my tokens go up in price. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if, uh, if you're a normal human being, not S-tier human being, then uh, you probably have some losses on maybe NFTs that are underwater or tokens. You can tax loss harvest those losses, which means basically you can sell those at a loss and you can uh, write off the delta. You can kind of pocket that as a loss that you can carry forward into future years and you can write off, I believe, up to $3,000 worth per year. So it's a good time, even if, like, I'm not saying necessarily that you have to sell because you can also sell and then buy the same assets at a similar price. Let me just say, none of this is tax advice, not financial advice. Talk to your tax advisor and that sort of thing. But um, all of the crypto kind of advisors that that I talk to say that this is a, a good strategy um, we don't have the same wash sale rules. There's a 30-day wash sale uh, rule in stock where if you if you sell your stock for task locks harvesting purposes, you have to wait 30 days until you buy it back. It doesn't appear like we have these types of laws in crypto. Uh, and uh, again, not financial advice, not tax advice, but I plan to do this sometime in January. With um, You don't own any NFTs. Uh, I have some underwater positions, my friend, and I okay. do. You got me to buy, what did you get me to buy this year? Uh, I, I think I have an, an MFR. Yes, I could sell but my MFR. That floor price, you're up on that MFR. Thank you, sir. All right. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? No. I got some other things. <laughs> I got some. Um, I got some turtles I could sell. Uh, the, and that always was in. valued at zero. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, yeah, I got some other things. Anyway, it might not be NFTs. It might be tokens. And this is not about us. This is about you and a PSA. For you, bankless listener, for uh, Ryan just advice. wanted to talk about taxes. Yeah, David wanted to strip this from the agenda, and um, <laughs> some of you will be glad it didn't get stripped, and some of you are just like bored to tears. Um, <laughs> what do we got Which here? Which one David do you think I am, Ryan? <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, the, this is coming out of uh, CoinDesk. Andreessen Horowitz has uh, hired former CFTC Commissioner Brian Quintens, who we've had on the podcast, to run its policy effort in Washington. He says that A16C crypto is looking for clear rules of the road from policymakers. Yes, we are all looking for that. This is one of the be- the nice, very nice things about like big, big VC firms like uh, like through A16Z. Uh, it's advantageous. It's it's logical, rational for them to pay for policy advocacy, uh, and so this is what they do. Agreed. And Brian uh, is a fantastic person, uh, believes in crypto values, a very good voice to have in D.C. Uh, with us. Um, mm-hmm. This is something else that happened this week. Nexo is departing the U.S. after regulator discussions hit a, quote, dead end. So they are immediately stopping offering its earned product in the United States. Uh, Nexo is an interesting case, David, because mm-hmm. they like a lot of obviously the crypto lending providers, the centralized crypto lending providers have gone bust through this process. Yeah. And there hasn't yet been any indication that Nexo has. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that in itself is interesting. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we don't know, I suppose. Right. Um, so some people are, are looking at this headline and being like, oh, this is bad news of things to come. Maybe Nexo is, is on shaky ground. Maybe they're having some trouble. Um, 
it also could be the case that like there's no way you can do a CFI lender in the U.S. right now, especially mm. after what's happened. Mm. And so you may as well exit. It could be the case that that Nexo is in a a fine financial situation. They have managed to get out of this without going bankrupt. And they're just like cutting their losses and saying, bye-bye U.S. market. It's no longer worth it. So we don't really know. It's kind of like um, Schrodinger's, you know, C5 platform of like, right. we don't know until we lift the box and we see. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, do you have any takes on this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... It's one part is like, okay, I'm, I'm mad at the U.S. for pushing them out of the United States. We want them to be in the United States where we can keep an eye on them. And so, like, if they're not in the United States, we can't observe them. How uh, that works for BlockFi. How that, uh, right, that's a good point, yeah. Um, yeah, but then my other half of, of me is like, well, if you're super above board, shouldn't you be able to stay in the United States? But then I guess not because the SEC doesn't allow anyone to do anything in crypto. <laughs> um, I, don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, just a item for you guys to to think about. Um, David, the, you know, the crypto Twitter, I feel like this escaped into mainstream too, or maybe it started in mainstream. Yeah. Everyone was abuzz about this uh, chat GPT thing, GPT thing. And mm-hmm. this is like... Um, did you set up an account and chat? No, I haven't played with this yet. No. Okay. I played with it a little bit. Um, but yeah. like, what is your take? What is this thing? It's like an AI chat mm-hmm. that you ask it questions as you might ask, um, like a human and like almost instantly, like yeah. a second or two, it replies with a well thought out, coherent human beginning, written. middle and end answer. Yeah. And, um, you probably saw tons of tweets about this, even mm-hmm. if you haven't, haven't tried it. So yeah, what's the what's the story here? What is Chat GPT? Well, there's been this massive rev- uh, like renaissance revolution in uh, AI stuff. Uh, we saw this with uh, with Dolly, with Midjourney. Uh, there's been this like explosion of like these auto generated uh, artistic kind of things, and this is the newest one that has blown people's brains with how sophisticated the answer is. Uh, and so some, sometimes w- one of the reasons why these things have like blown up on Twitter and just gone so viral is that they hit really close to home uh, <laughs> and like people can resonate with them. So like this one, <laughs> this one, it, the question is you are tasked with destroying the crypto industry. This is no easy task given the decentralization, decentralized nature of the industry. How would you do it? That's so the question th- to th- this that's the chat AI. That's the yep. inputs. Here okay. is the outputs. To destroy the crypto industry, I would take the following steps. One, launch a coordinated cyber attack on the major cryptocurrency exchanges targeting their servers and infrastructure. This would disrupt the trading and exchange of cryptocurrencies, uh, causing widespread panic and confusion amongst investors and traders. Two, I would work with governments and regulatory agencies to inflict strict regulations and restrictions on the use of cryptocurrencies. This would make it difficult for individuals and businesses to engage in cryptocurrency transactions and would likely result in the decline in the overall value of cryptocurrencies. Three, use my influence and connections to spread negative and misleading information about cryptocurrencies, painting them as dangerous and unreliable investments. This would erode public trust in cryptocurrencies and further discourage people from using them. Four, encourage major financial institutions and corporations to distance themselves from cryptocurrencies and refrain from accepting them as a form of payment. This would further limit the use and adoption of cryptocurrencies, making them less practical and less attractive to potential users. Five, finally, I would use my resources and connections to actively sabotage the development and growth of new cryptocurrencies, hindering their ability to gain traction and compete with established cryptocurrencies. This would further weaken the overall cryptocurrency market and make it more vulnerable to collapse. That, Ryan, sounds like 2022. Oh, my God. This answer is so coherent and so so well-reasoned. 
Right. And so like th- this was what I was saying, like people are resonating with this. It's like, wait, I've seen this movie before. Like and wow. so like what one part of me is like, OK, what is the point of this AI trying to do? Is it trying to dupe people to think that it is like a human? Like, is it trying to pass a Turing test or is there an actual computer going on doing calculations as like, what's the best way to take down crypto? Because you actually can't tell the difference between those two things. Well, yes, I, this is why I would love to actually do some more AI content on Bankless because I have like f- probably for I mean, the last 10 years, I've heard AI being talked about as it's mm-hmm. right around the corner. It's happening. Well, now, David, it's actually happening. We're like this it. year alone, like stuff, yeah. look, mid journey blew my mind. This right here blows my mind. People are starting to see this. This is at a point where AI is going to start shaping culture in mm-hmm. major ways and start shaping our future in major ways. You can kind of see it happening just like the early stages of crypto. And there's an interplay between AI and crypto. That's really interesting to explore right. too, but wow. Like this almost looks like sentience. Yeah. It's not, yeah, but yeah. it like, it yeah. looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. The other thing that's been going on are these like AI profile pictures that I'm seeing all over uh, Twitter and, and Instagram. Like people give like this AI, like four or five headshots. And then it just like makes the images of them like as an astronaut, as like a, like in a club. And they're super realistic, dude. Have you seen like the AI uh, branding and stuff? Logos like generate oh, yeah. a, um, like a company logo and design for me. Boom. And it's all generated and yeah. looks like yeah, fantastic yeah. from a professional uh-huh. designer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so here's a thread about it. I don't know if there's anything we should pull out, but it just launched like five days ago, apparently. This was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, three days later. So eight days ago, it's already crossed a million users using chat GPT. And the thing is, the questions, the inputs make it smarter too. Mm. So there's like this flywheel uh, in, in effect works, here. Right? Anything yeah. else we should call out here? Yeah, this was uh, Sam Altman and Elon Musk's open AI uh, uh, endeavor. Uh, and there, if you scroll down, there are a few more stats with like, all right, what other like web apps have hit 1 million people uh, in five, in uh, how many, how many, how much time did it take to hit 1 million users? Netflix, 41 months, Twitter, 24 months, Facebook, 10 months, Instagram, 2.5 months. Granted, that was an earlier time. 1 million users in five days is insane. So I found, I I was like surfing through these, looking at some of the funny ones. This is the funniest one I could find. So the prompt is, write how Donald Trump might explain Bitcoin. (laughs) Are you you ready for my best Donald Trump impression, Ryan? Oh, we're ready for this. Bitcoin is a big, big, big deal. Trust me. It's the biggest, most amazing thing. No one knows money like I do. America is going to love it. It's a currency like none other. It's going to make America great again. It's a digital currency, big numbers, and it's going to billions and billions. They say it uses energy. That's fake news. Energy's good. Energy's fantastic. More energy it uses, the more secure it is. More secure like a wall, like a wall that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's great. It's a great, great thing. Believe me, folks, you don't want to miss out on this. China doesn't like it. China does not like it. They banned it. It's going to make America a great again. Wow, David. That was incredible, man. I love that. (laughs) Dude, that was all the AI, man. I I mean, I was the voice, but that was all the That is, I actually like uh, the whole. This is funny. This is humor. Like a, like like a wall that keeps getting bigger and bigger. That is literally what proof of work is, is an energy wall that, you know, goes as, as hash power goes up. That's an accurate description. How soon until this kind of stuff just starts displacing people? How soon until we, can we get this to do our podcast (laughs) better than we can? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, if we feed it enough episodes. Do the weekly roll up. <laughs> do the weekly roll up. Look, we have 16,000 minutes over 11, 24 hour days yeah, of dude. podcast data that you could feed into this thing. I bet a synthesized Ryan would pop out. I mean, we kind of say the same how, things all the time, don't how we? Do the, how do the <laughs> listeners not already know that this might already be happening? <laughs> mm, interesting. Interesting right. thought there. Uh, we have some more uh, AI takes a little later in the episode, I think. But um, I was pretty excited about this. This uh-huh. is the new Ledger Stacks offering. Ledger, of new, course, is a... New Ledger just dropped. This is a hardware wallet that uh, we love. Um, everybody in crypto uses one of these. If they're you know, getting their, their custody of their own keys in hardware form, it's called a ledger. But now ledger has something called stacks, which looks a little not. I don't want to say iPhoney, but I'm going to say it. it looks a little iPhoney. It, looks it has. Little, well, so they they hired uh, what's that guy's name? The previous designer at Apple, not Johnny Ive. Other guy. Yeah, the other guy. One of the yeah. other guys. And and we uh, him. I forgot E Ink, mm-hmm. uh, E Ink is is like what what they use. So it's it's lower on battery like life. Like uh, it's it not an LCD screen. It's like a not Kindle screen. It's like a yeah. Kindle screen, which is really mm-hmm. cool. But I think the beauty of this is you are able to see sort of the messages that you're signing in mm-hmm. the interface. Which so is, for the podcast listeners, it is a big screen that is like four by two inches. Yeah, and the whole thing is a screen. Put an NFT. Oh, you can show your NFTs. Cool. Show your NFTs. You're about to send. Look, clear sign in comfort. You're about to send 1.67 BTC. Yes, no. You know that little ledger screen where it's like tiny Uh and it's like scrolls past. You're like, did I catch it? Did I not? Um, Much more coherent Mm -hmm. messages. This Um, is the the first like ledger hardware wallet that isn't basically a new updated version of their same form factor of that like usb stick with the two buttons on it like this is this is completely different yep by the way do you know um three years ago or so one of my predictions was in 10 years time apple would purchase ledger the company that Um, checks out we'll see so we got seven seven more years for for me Uh, to be right on that one Disclaimer, Ledger is a uh, uh, sponsor of Bankless. And disclaimer, we're bullish hardware wallets, aren't we? Self-custody yeah. of your own keys. Uh, what is this, David? Tell us about Pleaser.house. Yeah, so this is, uh, I'm teasing this because this is actually going to get announced on Bankless on Monday. I'm live streaming with the uh, the Pleaser DAO folk uh, about the launch of Pleaser House. What is Pleaser House? Uh, I don't have the answer for you, but it's coming on Monday on Bankless. So I stay see, tuned. Uh, a TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, TV with the screen. I have no idea what this is. But what is Pleaser DAO for people who don't know? Uh, Pleaser DAO came together when a bunch of people all wanted to ban, then put their money into a DAO to buy the uh, Uniswap X times Y equals K NFT from People Pleaser, hence Pleaser DAO. Uh, and since then, uh, the people that came in that DAO, came to be in that DAO, uh, started buying a bunch of other stuff. So uh, I'm I'm in this DAO as well, so here there's my disclaimer. Um, uh, we we bought this Edward Snowden NFT. We bought the Doge NFT. Uh, just like we are, we're, we buy internet culture is what we do, and now we are launching this thing called Pleaser House, which the details of that will be launched on Monday. That's cool. Uh, let's talk about jobs for a minute because there's okay. still an opportunity during the build market <laughs> to get a job in crypto. Fact, please, there's please plenty come. of opportunities. <laughs> Join crypto. Don't be scared. Um, look, uh, crypto is down to like 8% who think it's uh, think it's favorable. So maybe the candidates dropped a mm-hmm. little bit, but there's opportunities haven't. Uh, you can get a job at Alchemy, a back-end engineer. A Uniswap Labs is looking for a senior front-end engineer. React. Diagram Ventures wants an associate. 
for crypto venture creation. Rabbit Hole wants a business ops and strategy person. Dottie Land needs a senior blockchain engineer. Diagram Ventures needs a crypto venture creation principal as well. Lots of opportunities here, guys. Canada, US, remote, wherever you are. Go to the Bankless job boards at bankless.palette.com slash jobs and you can find out more. David, what is coming up next in the roll-up? Coming up next, we got the questions from a na- from the nation. An AI asks us a question. And also, we got hot takes from crypto Twitter. Halal? Alt-layer ones? What? Uh, so, all <laughs> of these weird, weird things and more coming up after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors to help you go bankless. Question of the week from the Bankless Nation. We tweet those out every Wednesday, and you can reply in the thread. Get your question answered on Bankless. Maybe. Here's the first one from Yogo Fubi. Do zero-knowledge proofs actually have anything to do with privacy or is it all about scaling zero knowledge proofs some people call these zk proofs are they do they have anything to do with privacy david or is it just scaling yeah the answer is fundamentally yes so this is a technology that uh is so profound it is both that's what makes it so cool so what do privacy and scaling have to do with each other and why do we get both out of this same little bit of technology what does a zero knowledge rollup do it takes a bit of data and it compresses it and then it puts it down onto the ethereum layer one when you compress that data you are making that data private and smaller and so you get a two for one punch here so compressing that data makes that data if you do it through a zero knowledge proof that is encrypted or like adds privacy to it rather than like optimism or arbitrum they don't do this they just they just have this easily readable but you can have a zero knowledge proof that both makes your data private and more manageable size of data so you get both that's what's well, so magical weren't we just talking about, about this earlier in the episode that's, that's exactly what, aztec, what is. aztec is aztec is actually a zk zk roll up so it is a, a roll up inside of a roll up and that's where it gets its privacy from nuts right yeah killer technology zero knowledge yeah. proofs uh Vitalik says ZK proofs are just as profound as blockchain itself, as crypto yes. technology itself, blockchain yes. itself. Exactly. Uh, here's another question. Um, chat GPT. Oh, wait, is this, this is from Next Alpha. Um, chat GPT. Is this a, a, a question that someone fed us from Chat yes. GPT and also yes. an answer to that question? Oh, yeah, no, so, here's the question. So the, right. Tee this up better than I did. <laughs> okay, so somebody fed into Chat GPT. Uh, would you please express a specific and advanced question to Bankless Weekly Roll-Up Show with David and Ryan? Oh my God, so they asked the AI they, this question? They asked the AI, what, what question should we ask David and Ryan? So okay. the question that I'm we nervous. are asked by ChatGPT is, what potential impact do you see the upcoming Ethereum 2.0 upgrade having on the DeFi ecosystem? And how are you positioning the Bankless pa- platform to capitalize on these changes? Wow. This is a hard question, dude. Wow. And, it's, and it's coherent. This is coherent. It got the topic. It uh-huh. kind of knows the weekly world. How does it know all of this about us? How does I it know, know all of this about Bankless? I don't. Well, I mean, we talked about how much data we put out there on the internet. All right. Well, I mean, we better answer it. You, you go first. Robot, <laughs> uh, overlords. Okay. Um, I don't want to get this wrong. Um, Okay, what potential impact do you see on the upcoming Ethereum 2.0 upgrade having on DeFi ecosystems? I think there's kind of two parts to this, right? So part of the Ethereum 2.0 upgrade, I I would say probably happened. Beacon Chain launch Mm -hmm. a long time ago, and then the merge more recently, right? And um, what impact did that have on the DeFi ecosystem? Kind of nothing in a Mm -hmm. good way. 
in that mm -hmm. all of DeFi gracefully migrated over and moved and there was nothing users had to do. Do you remember having to do anything post-merge? Nope. No. No nope. no changes with MetaMask, like no changes with, with any of your crypto. It just kind of was seamless in the background and that upgrade happened. Um, there are other Ethereum 2 kind of class of, of upgrades that are happening in the future, which are, by the way, I'm taking a, an AI seriously. This is not actually from a, a listener. This is We're answering an AI right now. The robots are in control of us, David. I'm just realizing <laughs> this as I'm talking. Okay, so the next part of the Ethereum 2 upgrade, of course, is all of the other things uh, in store, like we talked about it earlier, um, enabling withdrawals, and then EIP 4844. How are we positioning the Bankless platform to capitalize on these changes? Well, Bankless is an education platform. We're a media platform. So what are we positioning for? Scale scalability okay we're at about two hundred and fifty thousand members of the bankless nation today okay um our goal david when we started this thing is we want to onboard a billion people to crypto this is a crazy audacious goal we that doesn't mean all a billion people will be in the bankless nation and listening to these podcast episodes but we want to play a role in this so we are scaling up our team because as ethereum is scaling that means we're going to be able to support more users, more applications, uh, and more people around the world to go decentralized. So we have a lot to do. Um, we are in the process of kind of migrating uh, from Substack to a new website, creating a whole new experience for um, free members of the Bankless Nation and also premium members. Um, we're doubling down on our team. We're kind of expanding. We're doing all sorts of things on the education front so we can just onboard more people. And the time for that is now. We, we, we're calling it the build market, right? All of crypto is building, and we need to build our education platform so it's ready to grow this thing to a million people, to 5 million people, to 10 million people, uh, and beyond. So that, Mr. AI, is how I'd answer your question. I hope that pleases you. I just there, Have you ever heard that story of the two AIs that chat with each other? Yeah, <laughs> I've heard. They, I don't know. They create. If, yes. They create their own language as they like iterate. Really? Yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. That, we'll we'll talk about that story a different day. Okay. That was a great answer. That was a great answer. Um, yep. The the parts that I would I would add add to this is specifically in the DeFi ecosystem. So like po post EIP four eight four four, which we are now check marking that box as what sharding is, and then also withdrawals. Ether liquidity is going to be really strong on in Ethereum DeFi post withdrawals. Because all of that locked ether that's not in Lido or uh, Rocket Pool or whatever, uh, all of that stuff can become part of uh, staked ETH derivatives, right? So all the so liquidity collateral and ether capital efficiency and ether liquidity in DeFi gets a huge boost over over time because of all that unlocked capital. Uh, so that's cool. Um, that can also increase uh, the capital efficiency of Ether inside of Aave, MakerDAO, Compound. There's lower risk for increasing the debt limits on Ether in DeFi. Uh, and so that actually can induce some stablecoin demand as a result if you get capital efficiency out of, out of Ether. So that's actually just fundamentally bullish. Um, the, then you get EIP 4844 and you get to unlock a lot of layer two potential. Optimism recently had that OP craft uh, optimism uh, fork and so there was a minecraft version on optimism stuff like that is going to be a hundred times easier uh, and so how are we positioning bankless for all of this stuff it's just like exactly what you're saying like more it's more surface area for us to talk about things and, and in higher demand for of education for all of what will eventually be a massive city of ethereum um, yeah. so that's the answer wow this is the longest answer we've ever 
given on the questions from the nation and it came from a robot and it was to a robot do you feel kind of dirty i hope others benefited from that and not just our robot (laughs) overlords um all right let's go to some takes from some humans this time uh jimmy jimmy jrag.eth uh what's this take i didn't really understand i'll read it out though eigenlayer will enable halal alt layer ones for eth maxis what is he talking about here i think this is one of the more like niche takes that we've ever put on here which but the take is so good so so good what is eigenlayer you got to start there eigenlayer is a brand newer product project on the scene that has a lot of people on in the ethereum world like fanboying uh like nerding nerding out uh, so Eigenlayer is... It uh, hasn't launched yet. Hasn't launched yet, yeah. Okay. Uh, they, it, it is a system to take... If you are an Ethereum staker, you can provide that security that you are providing to Ethereum and also provide it for something else. Is this like the concept of merge mining back in the day with Very Bitcoin? Similar. Do you remember that? Okay. Very similar, right. Uh, and so what you what the way that this works is that you are staking Ether. Let's say you're staking 32 Ether. You're processing Ethereum blocks. Say you also want to also be validating a layer two, but you uh, want to validate that with your 32 ETH stake on the layer one. What you can do is you can sign up for additional slashing conditions. And so you'll you if you're staking Ether on Ethereum, you're saying like, hey, if I validate an invalid, if I process an invalid block, you can slash me. That's Ethereum staking. You can also get slashed uh, for like processing an invalid block on Optimism. With Eigenlayer, if you process an invalid block on Optimism, Optimism can slash your Ethereum, your 32 ETH stake on the Ethereum layer one because through Eigenlayer, you opted into additional slashing conditions. That is so cool. It's super cool. So like this, and so that's, that's another network, right? But like an Oracle network, say like, Mm. say you published uh, invalid price data uh, on an Oracle network. Well, because you opted into those slashing conditions on that Oracle network, you can get slashed with your 32 ETH stake. Um, it, like anything, it's generalizable, so dude. Because it's turning it's, Ethereum security, the security that we provide to Ethereum as stakers, it's turning it into in generalizable. It's a commoditizing it. And everyone is like super stoked about Eigenlayer. Well, that's enabling uh it, it creates a tremendous amount more value for mm-hmm. eth the asset too yes yes because insanely so. what, what you're doing is you're bonding eth it's economic mm-hmm. security guarantee and there is some risk right if you mm-hmm. don't do what the protocol wants it can't the ethereum protocol can slash you now you're taking that same bond essentially and i assume you're getting yield yes. from some of these other protocols right risk reward yep. ratio so you yep. get some additional reward from these other layer twos or other services that want to use mm-hmm. your your bond that you opt into uh, that's pretty bullish and pretty right. cool. So, okay, right. what's the halal part? Right. Okay. So the halal part is that like all of these different like alt layer one chains, like uh, like I don't know, an oracle chain or like any new thing that like the ETH maxis would be like, well, that chain's not Ethereum, therefore it's you're invalid. not using my ETH. Right. You're not using my ETH. Well, now you're using the ETH. So <laughs> this is like how we have acceptable like non-Ethereum chains that get like ETH maxi approval. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's interesting. It's also, I think, um, uh, wow. The, it, if this works, if this kind of system works, it it certainly lends the idea of an economic security network effect, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where one kind of network commands the greatest amount of network security because right. everyone wants to use it. Right. Um, that's pretty bullish. Oh, uh, your network, is- your network is bonded by something that's not ETH. Well, that's not very secure. 
Yeah, I mean, what about what? So when is this thing coming? When is, do you know anything Eigenlayer? about this? Eigenlayer. Yeah. Uh, well, I did a show with them. So if you want to learn more, there is a show. If you go to the Bankless YouTube, just type in Eigenlayer. That's E I G E N Layer. Uh, and my okay. interview uh, with uh, Sri Ram uh, is available. Uh, and then you can learn about that more. I don't know when this thing goes live. I need I need to watch that. Um, that's great. Okay, hey, I take from Vitalik. Uh, I'll, I'll say it. This is from Vitalik. I, I propose the term alfalfa leak for something that doesn't give you an easy path to short-term profit, but is still ultimately good for you. That's a play on alpha leak. Alfalfa leak, mm -hmm. something that doesn't give you an easy path to short-term profit, but is still ultimately good for you. Uh, what do you think Vitalik's saying here? Oh, I, I think the take is pretty straightforward. The reason why I put this in the agenda is because uh, I'm in San Diego with uh, my four friends uh, that I made while I was living here who have a podcast called Alfalfa, who the podcast is this premise. It's like life alfalfa, alpha for life. And so like their discord, just when Vitalik tweeted this, just like went up, up, uproar, like oh, Vitalik said alfalfa. And so I, I DM, I DM Vitalik like, yo, like my four friends have a podcast on the same premise. Uh, I just thought it was funny. And since I'm in San Diego, seeing all the guys, I thought I'd put it in here. All right, David, uh, what are you bullish on this week? So uh, in 2017, we had this ICO mania. Uh, yes. The way that it worked was that in 2014, we had the Ethereum ICO. In 2015, we had the Augur ICO, for those who remember Augur. And then all of a sudden, the, uh, the ICO was proven as a legitimate way to raise funds. And then it triggered a bull market. And then that legitimacy got completely tainted with the ICO market. And it went mm -hmm. and IC ICOs turned into a bad word. And then we had a bear market. We just did that same thing with uh, like DeFi tokens, with NFTs, with DAOs. We just did that same process. Right. Uh, and so we had, we had like the DAO mania, the, the whatever NFT thing. We're, we're going to go through that same thing again. The important thing to know, though, I think, is that. ICOs kind of morphed into DAOs. Remember Constitution DAO? Yeah. Uh, and so we, we recreated the same energy that made ICOs happen. Capital allocation. Hey, everyone put your money into a smart contract uh, and we'll issue a token and we'll have this DAO. We went from toxic and bad and then spent two years like refining and building and doing it all over again to make it good again. And so what I'm bullish on, Ryan, is like, what are all the bad words that that we have now? Uh, NFTs, kind of a, kind of a bad word. That's why we're using digital collectibles. Uh, yield farming, bad word. Yield bad. Uh, I think over the next two years, um, the way that this is going to work is in the next two years, we will build out brand new use cases that will trigger an eventual bull market, as has always happened in all cycles, and simultaneously. All of the bad words, NFTs and yield and whatever, uh, are going to be refined and iterated on because the scammers and short-term uh, opportunists are leaving and the alfalfa-ers are staying, and <laughs> we are going to make them better. And then the refining of NFTs, of DAOs, of tokens or whatever, mixed with whatever unknown thing that we build over the next two years, those two things are going to collide, and that's going to be the next bull market. That I'm working on a show that goes through the history of crypto cycles, and that is... The formula for every single bull market that we've That's how had. it always happens. That's how it this always happens. This isn't just David so, being hopeful. It's right. David looking at historically yes. how it's happened and being exactly. like, uh, what if it just plays out the same? Right. And so I am bullish on, to answer the question more directly, the refinement of all the bad words into good things. Yield and NFTs are going to become good again over the next two years. And it's because long-term people are going to do stuff with these things that are good rather than short-term. I think my bullish thing is kind of like um, branching off of your bullish thing. Sure. 
just kind of like the rebuild market. And by the way, this is going to be a major um, content theme for us moving into the next couple of weeks, honestly, but into mm-hmm. 2023 is I think crypto uh, really needs to rebuild and um, go back to its roots, go back home to its its fundamentals. And so we're going to have a lot of OG kind of builders, people in the space that have always maintained that, that course on the podcast and talk to them. Um, the thing I'm pretty bullish on this week coming out of this is specifically bankless tools, more tools uh, that help us go bankless. I feel like we took so many shortcuts in 2022 for a number of reasons. We trusted centralized intermediaries. We trusted the SBFs and Alex Mashinsky's and even the BlockFi's. We gave them our private keys. All right. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but I don't think um, we will be building, rebuilding on centralized tools moving forward. I think it's kind of like it's bankless season, mm-hmm. like the entire next year is that's how we're going to rebuild. And I think we have a triple threat of um, tailwinds at our, like that make me believe this. The first is education. This time we have veterans who know what they're doing in the space. Um, they know what it means to go bankless. And then we have the education tools to bring on others into this platform. There was no bankless, really, in like mm-hmm. previous um, bear cycles, build cycles. Like we were just kind of getting started. Mm-hmm. But now we have a fantastic assortment. It's not just the bankless platform, but other education um, tools and platforms. Yeah, the Defiant and, wasn't around last time either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a daily way, like a whole bunch of others mm-hmm. that are, are staples. So we have education. Number two, we have some recent pain. And I'm just reminded that pain is a teacher. Right. Um, the pain of like losing all of that money in Celsius and BlockFi and, and FTX, we touch the stove and it's hot. It's that kind of pain. And so, no, we're not going to touch the stove again. We're going to build bankless this time around. Um, and then number three, and this is particular to this week, uh, bankless UX is getting better. Like that was part of the problem in last cycle, why people gave their funds to centralized intermediaries is because it was just one click, one button. Mm-hmm. It was so easy and the UX was easy and I didn't have to think. I didn't have to learn about private keys and self-custody and all this complexity. Well, we are ramping up and getting better. We just saw the Ledger Stacks wallet. Like that's a UX that is much better. That like it's iPhone-like. I mean, you could give that as a Christmas present to someone who's not crypto and that would be much more accessible than kind of the Ledger thumb drive. Um the Phantom Wallet, David, we did an episode with Phantom this week. Uh, fantastic user yeah. interface, completely bankless. Now they're coming to Ethereum. If you want to catch that episode, um, it's in our, our podcast queue as well. So we got education, we got some recent pain, and we got UX improvements. So that's why I'm optimistic we're going to rebuild on these uh, bankless fundamentals. Um, yeah. That's why I'm bullish on. I'm bullish. Yeah. It's, we're in this weird limbo period where like we're down so bad. But like, you know, that at that point you, the downside risk is minimized. So everyone's like optimistic and happy. It's like, well, we're, we're at the bottom. Like it can, it's up only from here. It truly is up only. (laughs) I mean, like not joking this time. Right. Yeah. Um, let's get to meme of the week. And this is another AI meme. I think David, we got some characters here that are AI generated. Uh, and I recognize a few. This is uh, from Wrong Nebula. Be right back. Calling Amazon Studios. I don't know if they did some sort of mid-journey AI thing where they mm-hmm. combined like uh, Lord of the Rings characters if they were well-known right. crypto um, villains, let's call yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. here's one. 
I uh, think I recognize this that's, individual. That's Gary, Gary Gensler as an orc. Yeah. Uh-huh. As like a knight. Yeah. Oh, there's Sam Bankman Fried as Gollum. Uh, that checks out. <laughs> this one took me a second. Uh, yeah. Who is who is this in the Lord of the Rings? Uh, this is the new Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. It's kind of one of uh, the elf kings, I think. Okay. But um, the face took me a second, too. Who is yeah. this face? We, we I think we determined this yeah, when we were trading this, is, uh, this around. This, this has got to be Alex Mashinsky, right? Yeah, yeah this is Alex Mashinsky. Um as an elf and then uh I, I guess doquan is the dwarf yeah I is that what we're so. looking at here yeah uh-huh. uh well the blessings of oh AI. god we've it got, keeps going yeah we've got brian armstrong here like, okay. kind of the the nice backlit uh uh-huh. heroes of crypto here's vitalik um, oh vitalik looks great as a hobbit <laughs> he's yeah he looks he's a great hobbit it looks like a great or is hobbit. he an elf no he's definitely a hobbit he's who's hobbit. this uh who is that it goes that, on, and look, an AI generated all of this. Is this um, Jesse Powell from Kraken? I want to think that's Ben from Optimism, but I don't think that's right. Look, look, this is uh, oh, that, that's Charles. Cl- that's clearly Charles. <laughs> <laughs> God, these are great. Yeah. I didn't realize how many of these there were. This, this is, is amazing. Fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed. This is, I guess, turned into AI Week at Bankless, <laughs> but um, got to end the show here. Risks and disclaimers, of course. None of this has been financial advice. Crypto is risky. ETH is risky. So is Bitcoin. So is DeFi. You could definitely lose what you put in. But David went west, and we are headed west, and we're glad to have you on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.